another episode of Get Real with Casey Kasem is here. This one features Seth Wolcock of In Between Media. For our sit down, we had a great time discussing tons of topics, including how he mixes lifestyle and fantasy football content, Steelers football memories from his childhood, the one talent he would want to magically wake up with, deciding to start his own site, being a standard boy for life, and much more. Make sure you're following Seth on Twitter at between underscore Seth FF. You can follow me on Twitter at DKCKSum, as well as the podcast at GetReal underscore pod. This podcast is a proud member of the DAP Network. This episode of Get Real with Casey Kasem is sponsored by my rad patrons on Patreon. You can become a patron of the show at patreon.com slash Casey Kasem. I also wanted to give a big shout out to all of the listeners. You make the show possible. I got my Spotify wrapped for the podcast today, and it just showed me how many people enjoy listening to the podcast. So I appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. Thank you so much. And now, my interview with Seth Woolcock. Seth Woolcock, how are you doing, sir? I am doing great this evening. How are you doing, Casey? Oh, excellent. And even better now that I have such a wonderful man on the show. Um, been meaning to talk to you for a while. Glad we got around to it. And uh, we're going to have a nice chat for the listeners at home, too. Hope you guys enjoy getting to know more about Seth. Seth, my man, you are a big deal when it comes to having a passion for storytelling. You love that's part of your brand, I would say. Um, so we're going to start telling a story, and we're going to start at the beginning. The first chapter of the story is your life growing up. So when you were growing up, did you have a favorite football team by any chance? I did, yes. I was. Uh, I lived about two and a half hours north of Pittsburgh, so grew up uh, you know, born and raised Steelers fan. Born and raised. So I'm guessing you're still a Steelers fan even right now. That is correct. Yes. Okay. Unfortunately. Cool. Nah, you know, people ask me that same thing. So about my team. So, you know, it happens. Uh, but I'm sure you had a lot of cool memories from growing up when it came to watching the Steelers. Do you have any that you can think of off the top of your head? Yeah, I was actually really lucky. Um, my, my my uncle, he had season tickets to the Steelers from his company. And so we consistently would go to some really cool games as a kid. And we'd often stay in the same hotel the Steelers did. And so got to meet some of the players when I was, you know, pretty, pretty early age and um, AFC championship game 2008 against the Ravens um, to go to the Super Bowl that we eventually would beat the uh, Arizona Cardinals. That was probably my favorite memory growing up. I mean, just an electric atmosphere. I never saw anything like it. And just play after play from that steel curtain defense. It was just electric. And I would say after that moment, I was just absolutely hooked. That's awesome. And that's great to have something like that that can really get you into the mood of being a fan. Like when the Cowboys won the Super Bowl or the Super Bowls, excuse me, back in the day when I was a child, you know, that was a good way for me to like really enjoy football and really get. Yeah. yeah and now we're here. Um, but did you watch any other sports growing up? Yeah, I mean, probably like honestly from the age about 10, like I was ESPN was on in me and my brother's room and in our household consistently. A lot of NBA, a little bit of baseball. We grew up Pirates fans, so we were kind of unlucky there. But, I mean, if there was a sport on it, whether it was golf, whether it was the Olympics, like we loved those big moments. And so, you know, I really got to give credit to my brother. He was the one who first kind of got me into a lot of these sports and, you know, everything from the draft to to college football, we just enjoyed together. So I'm very thankful for, you know, that experience growing up. And growing up, did you have any hobbies or stuff that you like to do and anything that you do now that you did as a kid that you still enjoy? 
Wow, that's a really good question. Um, growing up, we kind of grew up in the middle of nowhere, a little small town in the middle of western Pennsylvania. And so we did kind of the normal stuff, hunting, fishing, a lot of outdoor stuff that some of it I still enjoy today. Um, one thing I picked up as, as a teenager was disc golfing. That's kind of like my favorite outdoor activity, I would say. Now, working on cars, vehicles, riding, uh, camping, kind of all that good stuff is, is kind of really what I grew up on outside of sports. And then, like, of course, like I had my nerdy hobbies like every kid did, Pokemon, Harry Potter, um, you know, all that good kind of video game stuff as well. We all, yeah, we all had our little nerdy stuff. You are, how old, 24? 24, yes. Okay, okay. He's 24 at the time of this taping. Um, So I've got a few years on you. So growing up, and now you're 24, now you're an adult. Whoa. Um, How did your love for sports change or grow as you got older? Yeah, so I was probably, it was probably 2010, I started playing fantasy football. Again, I got to thank my brother. He was just like, hey, I'm playing with my friends in this league. Um, here's, like, let's get in a random league together. So we got in a random league. And my first pick ever was Brett Favre with the Vikings. Not not too crazy about that <laughs> pick, looking back on it. Um, but I remember that was the year Mike Vick broke out again for the Eagles. So I picked him up. That was the Peyton Hillis year as well. So I picked those guys up and, like, won that league against a bunch of randoms and, you know, again, was kind of hooked from there. So consistently started playing more and more. My friends and I started a league in about sixth or seventh grade, and we still play some variation of that league today. Um, So again, kind of sports was everything uh, around my life. When I went to college, I really like ideally went to be a sports writer. Um, Your guy, Matthew Berry, actually, he was like his book, like no doubt saved my life, changed my life. Reading his book, I was 16 when I read it, was going through some terrible things. And the way he could make fantasy football just come to life, man, it it changed my whole perspective. And, you know, so I'm very thankful for Matthew Berry and the fantasy life for for that as well. And I feel like he is a very integral part of a lot of people's appreciation and love for fantasy football. So it's cool that you brought him up. Is there... Anybody that you look at when you're writing, I know we're going to get into your writing and everything, but is there anybody that you look up to, uh, not just Matthew Berry, but is there anybody that you can think of that you look at their work and you're like, wow, you know, I hope to someday be as great a writer as that person? Yeah, I mean, th- there are so many great writers in this industry, and Matt is definitely w- one of the goats of it. Um I kind of have like my small like like cult of writers I like to follow like like they're they're big they're names that are continuing to grow and maybe people mm-hmm. don't don't know them as much but like Bo McBrayer someone on our staff and he is so great with the words Herms um excellent writer um Kevin Du Bois like, like there's a lot of these smaller ones that that I really aspire to um as far as like novelists go like Jason Romano from ESPN former producer there. He's very into introspective writing. Uh, I'm actually reading a book right now uh, about leadership from him. So as far as like professional goes, definitely him. And then, like I said, I love these kind of little like like growing cult writers that, that just continue to keep going, man. Yeah. You love to see it. And it's really cool to see somebody's career like take off such as yourself watching your fantasy career kind of take off as well. But I want to go back to fantasy football being something that you got into because of your brother um, and, you know, winning it all. Was it a redraft league? What kind of league was it? 
yeah, redraft, just like as basic as it gets. And like, I didn't even play PPR probably until like 2016. Like, you know, I was a standard boy for life. Never thought I'd go PPR. And then I switched and I was like, oh, I'm never going back to standard. But yeah, just run of the mill as straight as it gets. And who knows how many of those managers actually were paying attention after so long in that random league as well. Hey, but you know, a lot of us win our first league because of those guys and gals that do that. And then we're like, yeah, we're hooked. So keep up, you know, if you guys don't want to set lineups and you got newbies in there, you're going to like, you could be helping them out in the long run, keeping their, their, their passion for fantasy football alive. You are a guy who was a standard boy for life and now you've changed your ways, but is there anything in fantasy football that is something that has just been a change, a rule change or some kind of wrinkle or something that you've seen in a league that has just blown your mind and it's been super awesome. I like those really fun, like, like weird guillotine leagues. Um, the the ones where you can actually get like, if you're the last place league team in the league, you get relegated to a secondary minor league. Like, I like all that kind of really fun stuff that vampire leagues, pirate leagues, like all that good stuff. I I think when I first heard about it, it was probably actually in fantasy life in 2016 or 2014 when I was reading that, that I was like, oh my God, these leagues exist. Like this is crazy. Um, So I'd say that's probably the biggest thing like over the last couple of years that has really come into more popularity and like that stuff just makes it fun. And it's like a little less competitive and like, I don't know. Something about that has really kind of drawn my attention. I'd love to do a series sometime, you know, talking to people who do those types of leagues more regularly than I do. Yeah. I mean, that's a brilliant idea. I like that. I'd listen Um, or or read whatever. I know you put out all different kinds of content and you were talking earlier about your team and about, you know, just coming into wanting to put out content and be a writer and going to college to be a sports Mm -hmm. writer. Um, so after you graduated from college, what exactly did you end up doing? Yeah. So kind of throughout college, I, I was in like full-blown journalism and PR. That's what I studied. I I did some communications media, um, more on the photography side, but during college I was running my student newspaper and I had the opportunity to actually take it from a standard traditional newspaper to an online multimedia we were a print publication for 94 years. And when I got handed the keys as editor in chief, they said, Hey, we're not printing anymore. So I really had to kind of take it. I learned web design. I learned podcasting at this time. Um, a lot of the skills that I use today, I was learning then. Um, so then when I graduated college, I got into a magazine company. I was kind of in their advertising and layout department and did that for about two months. And I, I graduated in December of 2019 so I got hired in February 2020, did that for about two months. 70% of our workforce got laid off. I was one of those casualties, of course. And at that point, that's um, I'd already been writing for fantasy football content for about two years at that point, done a podcast for about two years. Um, didn't find the fantasy football community on Twitter until that 2019 season. I got linked up with Dynasty Football Factory. Shane is the worst was kind of the guy who really found me. And kind of brought me into the fold a little bit. And I said, oh, my God, like there are. And Casey, you were actually one of the first people the algorithm pushed me to. And I found your content. I found some like really cool, chill, dope people. And I was like, oh, my God, like have these people been here the whole time and I never knew about it. So, you know, 2019 into 2020, that was really kind of my exposure to this whole thing. And um, it's been a wild, wild ride since. 
And I like to see this wave of you guys and gals coming in where it's like this pre-pandemic or during the pandemic thing where everybody like found Twitter or found the community and started putting out content. Um, how did you determine when and how you were going to put out content? Yeah. So at that point, I'd already been a about for a year when I first linked up with DFF writing Start, Sit, and Seth, which is my trademark column. It's kind of the flagship column of IBT. And that's where I combine feel good lifestyle advice with fancy sports advice. And I, at that first year I did it, it wasn't weekly, kind of a crazy time in my life. So I didn't really commit to a weekly, but I wrote as much as I could. And then the next year I came in, I continued to do that column for the pen, the local newspaper that um, I wasn't the editor in chief anymore. I'd kind of moved past that, but my girlfriend was still the editor in chief. I had a lot of friends on the staff I was still working for the paper and other means. Um, so wanted to continue doing that weekly and then also writing an article for DFF weekly um, called in the scope, which it was like a pre a week ahead waiver wire kind of thing, beat the waiver wire. And so at that point, I, I think I was just at turn 21 last semester of college was writing about two columns, two articles a week, self-producing my podcast. And like, that's when I kind of learned like, Oh geez, this is a grind. Like, you know, hit, hit all the deadlines that year, but that's when I really, you know, you experience that week 11 burnout and you experience all these different types of emotions of a season. And it was fun as hell, but it was, it was definitely a challenge at the same time. And it being a challenge, was there anything when you first started that you wish somebody would have told you that you had to find out on your own? Oh my gosh, there's so much. Like, I didn't know a lot about SEO. I didn't know a lot about YouTube. I didn't know really how to, I didn't really know a lot about social media. Like, honestly, like Twitter, I was a kid who I grew up like, we didn't have social media until I was probably in like 10th grade is really when it like started to really become a thing. And like, sure, we used it a little bit, but it wasn't what it is today. So and even through college, like I was one of those kids, I was always working using the newspaper, social media, other projects, social medias I was doing, and just didn't really want to run my own social media at that point. So like having that consistent voice and, and just like being a voice and not even just pushing your content. Like at first, the only times I would tweet in 2019 was, hey, here's my weekly columns. Here's my article. Here's my podcast. I never put out general takes. I never put like engaged with people. Like I was scared to, you know, like I, I'd always see your content. I thought it was great, but I'd be like, oh, I'm kind of scared to like, I'm not just going to comment on her. Like she doesn't know me, you know? So it was like getting past that initial hurdle and then just like everything else, learning about YouTube streaming. And like, I feel like it kind of all got accelerated at the same time though in 2020 with the pandemic. Right. And there, there were so many people, there were so many people putting out content and a lot of that content has since then gone away um but we still have a Certainly. lot of good content such as, as as your content and in between media has been your baby has been your pride and joy can you let the people listening know more about the concept of in between media and what it's all about yeah so um i was kind of in a crazy situation just growing up just some like like a series of unfortunate events and a lot of struggle kind of growing up um always try to do my best and like try to put my best foot forward but just like some crazy circumstances that like would be in a movie or in a book and you know the best way i could always kind of get through that is by writing and, and growing that way um and reading matthew berry's book like he kind of inspired me like okay like maybe there's something there as well um, so eventually it's like 2019, 
I know eventually I'm going to leave the, uh, I'm going to leave the newspaper kind of start my, you know, I'm, I'm six months away from graduating and I wanted to start some type of website or some type of blog. And I didn't really know what to do at that point. And then I, I, I was already writing start since Seth. And I just realized like, there's not really anyone else out there writing feel good lifestyle advice and merging that with fantasy sports advice. And like, the thing is uh, about those two things, they might seem very different, but they're not Casey, because at the same time, like we learn lessons from fantasy football. We love fantasy football because it's so unpredictable, just like life. And Mm -hmm. I think that's really was kind of the big comparison is in all my columns, I'd start talking about life and then eventually it'd roll back into fantasy football somehow. And that was really what it was. And I was at this point in my life too, where I was terrified of what was going to come after college. Cause I had always been a kid who went to school and did what I was told. But for the first time in my life, like there's no safety net, you know, there really is no safety net at all. And um, so I was like, well, I, I want to get to be like, I want to get to be whatever that is. I don't know what that is. It's having a career in writing or, or some type of publication um, media trade. And I'm at, I'm at, I want to get to be, I'm at a, and I just always thought, how do I get to be? How do I get to be? And then I looked back like in that summer, I was like, man, like I've been trying to get here this whole time. And I, I don't know if I've always taken it in and enjoyed it. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes like my friends, my roommates, they'd always be out like hanging out. And like, I definitely have those times too, where I would, I, I would get rowdy and have it, but sometimes I got lost in it. So like really the point of in between media is like, enjoy that journey. Cause if you don't enjoy the journey, the destination is not worth getting to. So we just want to make that journey a little bit more fun, whether that's you in life, whether that's you in the fantasy football season, or just like a week in DFS or betting. Like we want you to make the most of it and, and just be happier and healthy doing it along the way. And y'all do such a good job of, of merging everything. And it's such a breath of fresh air to be able to see that content because it's different. And it's, and I've always wanted to do, I've, we all have different hobbies and, and, extracurriculars if you will that we enjoy and that we like talking about so it's it's nice to see a mix of of life and football and luckily you've interviewed me for sit start and step so mm-hmm. that's yes. hard to say um <laughs> at least fast um so that was really cool to be able to come on and talk to you um so when you get to talk sit down and talk with people um what has been the coolest thing about getting to talk to other people in the industry I mean, that's like, like the coolest thing is hearing so many people's stories and like, we are also different. We all come from different places, but at the end of the day, like we are still so similar and like, I've had conversations, whether it's been with you or other people in this industry that have legitimately, legitimately like changed my life. And like, I've done things in my life because of learning, learning, like each story is a lesson. Like, like yours was about being a trailblazer and putting that foot forward and, that's when I realized like I was going through kind of a difficult process at IBT. I was like, everyone wants us to do just fantasy content. Like I'm getting all this stuff in my ear. Should I do just fantasy content? And like, after hearing your story, I was like, no, like I'm going to be a trailblazer at doing what we're doing here, switching it up, merging these two different genres together. And I learned that lesson from you being a trailblazer for women in this space. So like every single column, it has a story and it means something to me. So that's always kind of what I've tried to, preach to everyone is like like this this column is my life like looking back on it every single chapter of it every installment means something to me and I hope to grow from it and I hope my readers at the same time are also growing from it so very anti stick to football because (laughs) and that's a breath of fresh air I hate that but 
Um, when people are like stick to football or whatever, do you ever get that? And if you do, how do you deal with it? If you don't, then I guess you don't really have to. Yeah. I mean, we, <laughs> I've always like throughout it, we've always seen like, I mean, there, you just get the general trolls on Twitter, of course, but then yeah, I have gotten the people who like, Hey man, like I love, I love your football content. I just want to read that. I don't want to read the first 400 words. Well, Hey, I have an anchor tag in there. Now you can click at the top of the story. I'll take you to the football part. But then I also have people who read my column each week who don't like fantasy football at all. And they just like, they just like, like the, the top of the content. So mm-hmm. I think there's something for everyone in there. And, you know, at first it really was tough for me to kind of know what path we're going on and feel confident in it. Um, it Cause it does like confuse some algorithms, whether it's Google, YouTube, um, it can confuse those SEOs, but like we figured it out to the point now where we're confident. So it's just really working through it. And like, talking to people like yourself and other great people in this industry and learning from them what's worked, what hasn't and learning these life lessons along the way, I think is what's pushed me through um, all that doubt and fear. No more compliments towards me, but um, (laughs) (laughs) no. Um, So with putting out content, it, it is a grind and it is, you know, it does take a lot of time. How do you keep yourself grounded so that you don't burn yourself out? Man, I, I am not someone who's honestly great at work-life balance. I, I try to be better. Um, you know, I, I think just making time for the people you love. And I think that's kind of what gets me away from it all, whether that's my girlfriend, my family, my friends, making time. And like, like I'm honestly like less active on Twitter on the weekends than I am on the weekdays because on the weekends I kind of get out. I try to go do something on a Saturday, maybe whether that's us going to a Penn state game or just doing something and like kind of closing the phone away and like, like doing that. Cause I mean, it is a grind and like Monday through Friday and we have content still coming out seven days a week, but um, kind of automating some of that. So on the weekends, like you can kind of step away at times and um, don't take it too seriously. I think that's the other thing. Like I'm, we always meet our deadlines at IBT, but if we have to be there for each other and help pick each other up and get, get there. Like, I think what motivates me is like, I have a wonderful staff who believes in me and like these guys motivate me so much because they've given me so much of their time. And I feel like I've given them so little in return that I j- I'm just so hungry for them and making this a sustainable thing for them. And what is the importance of making sure that you choose the right people for, oh. yeah, I know because it's, it, it's hard because everybody's so different. Everybody has different personalities. How do you make sure that the people that are with IB, uh, IBT are like, you know, they mesh, they, they fit your mold. Yeah. I mean, I honestly got really lucky at the beginning of it. I met Nate and Jen Polvo when they were like, just kind of starting out, just kind of figuring out that also the community was here. Um, and I met Nate and we kind of came into this together and we've become best friends over the last two and a half years. We, we text every day. Like I talk to Nate more than I talk to most people in life, honestly, at this point. And um, same with Jen and, and everyone. And like, it's trial and error. Like you're going to meet people in this space who they pretend they are someone. And then you learn there's someone totally different. And like, I've been heartbroken over like thinking someone was someone who they weren't and then kind of getting stabbed in the back or learning about things that just they were doing that weren't cool. And, you know, weren't our vibe. So it's trial and error, man. Like it's trial and error. People can put on a front online so easy. Um, But I think after you spend a certain amount of time with a person, you can really learn about them. 
And luckily, you know, kind of getting out of COVID here, we've had the last couple expos and some other opportunities to meet people in person. And that's just kind of made it, you know, that much more clear who I vibe with, who I don't vibe with, you know. No, I totally feel you. And and going to the expo, I really wanted to talk to you about that as well, because I always see you at the expo, you know, running around, talking yeah. to people, and, you know, hey, you know, I see, I swear, every time I turn around, you're there, um, <laughs> which is awesome. Um, but being able to, like, meet all these people in person and, and go up to them and, and talk to them, like, what kind of feelings go through your head when you're meeting people? Um, You know, <sighs> I almost feel like it's like there's two different vibes of me. There's like the super professional networking side that might be a little bit more nervous, maybe a little more higher strung, but just trying to to be myself really at the end of the day is what that comes down to. And then like when I see some of these people that I've met online and like generally just have really good interactions with online and I see them in person, like I'm giddy. Like I'm honestly like I'm a kid in a candy shop because like it's like I've made these friends and and there's like we grow, we grow up in a world that you're friends with who you grew up around, you know, it's proximity. And now you're, you're getting to an age where you can meet people based on interest vibe and like, like just, just what, what you really are about in life. And it's like to meet those type of people is just awesome. And, you know, if I, I feel like honestly, at the end of the day, like I'm a pretty approachable person. If I have a drink in hand and, and I'm out, out on a patio, sunshine's out, sunglasses on, like I'm vibing and like, I just love to talk to everyone. I've kind of always been that way though. Well, and that, that that's great. And vibing, like seeing people and, get, and getting to kind of, wow, I met you and I've talked to you on the internet. Like, this is yeah. crazy. And never in a million years would I think that a bunch of people that didn't know each other were going to meet up like that and have one big nerdy hobby that we all enjoy yeah. and, and want to make a career out of or whatever. And I want to go back. Oh, <laughs> I, know, I, know. I know. We need one every six months, I think. I know, man. I know. It's it, it's crazy. And and talking about it, I feel like if you haven't been there, you're missing out on and, and something that you should at least do once. Because if you're a fantasy football fan, even like meeting people that are like minded, like you were saying, it's crazy. And it's crazy to think that there are this many people that have the same passion for something that you do. It is the most surreal experience, especially this last year at the expo just felt so surreal. Like I had someone who I literally just bumped into at one of these parties at night and like kind of just started talking to him. And like by the next, like he he wasn't an analyst. He was just kind of a guy, a fan who went. And by the next night we were buying each other drinks. We were sharing Ubers like he uh, and he's like someone who follows our content very closely now, you know, and like, yeah, he literally said, like, after that conversation, just that night bumping into him, he's like, I, I knew you were legit, man. I just wanted to follow your content. And like, between that and like meeting so many other titans of this industry who are just like, so down to earth and like the experiences I've shared with them now, it's like, it is surreal. Like I in my wildest dreams, if you would have told me 2019, when I was just that 21 year old kid, like, hey, this is going to be your life in a three or four years, you're gonna have to work really hard. There's gonna be twists and turns. But if if you stay on this path, it's where it's going to lead. Like, it's all worth it at the end of the day, man. Because I mean, that is, those are once in a lifetime opportunities there, I think. Definitely. And you brought up networking earlier. And when people go into networking, sometimes they feel like they don't want to be a bother and they don't want to talk to people. And I know you get that. Um, so how do you perfect networking and, and don't make it awkward? You know, I, I think that's the thing. Like, I don't think anyone c can like be perfect, especially like in a world today where so few people talk to each other, you know? Mm -hmm. So 
I think again, it's just like being yourself, man. Like, don't be afraid to approach people. I think the worst thing you can do is not approach someone. Like, I've had very few times where I've gone up and talked to someone and like left and been like, damn, I, I I'm not talking to that person again. Or like, I shouldn't have talked to that person. Very, very few. And like, I think you just have to go with an open mind and like, you got to assume best intention, you know? Cause like at the end of the day, like everyone's living in this crazy world that we are, everyone has a lot of the same anxiety. So it's like just accepting that I think is the biggest thing. Do your friends know that you're this big fantasy football dude? Yeah, they do. They do. Yeah. They, it, you know, and that was part of it too, was like trying to like overcome that a little bit. And like, honestly, like at first, like, you know, people from your hometown, they hear, Oh, like he wants to be a fantasy football content creator. Like, you know, roll your eyes is like, like, and that's how I always kind of felt about it for a while. And like, wasn't until like I, I was 21, I was in a bar and like, I saw someone from my hometown and he came up to me and said, dude, like, I love, I love your articles for like the newspaper. Like, what are you going to do afterwards? And like, dude, I don't know. And he's like, he's like, well, I hope it's not behind a paywall because like, I love reading them and I'll continue to read them. And like that moment, like hearing like that person who seemed like a very busy person in life that was taking time to read my articles and stuff. Like that's when I was like, okay, like, I need to do something like on my own, you know? So that was mm -hmm. like, that was a, it, it's those small moments, I guess, that kind of add up, but you know, it is definitely working past that initial imposter syndrome for sure. Imposter syndrome. Ah, everybody, I swear. And it's like a buzzword. It's like a buzzword. It, it, it is a I buzzword, hate to even say it, but you know what? I, I feel like it encapsulates who I am as a person. So I think I'm happy that somebody put a term on it yeah uh, yeah but, but like overcoming that kind of stuff and and it's kind of hard to do but at the same time like having quote unquote i mean they are they're not quote unquote they really are fans so having fans people that support your work people that love your work um how does that feel what is what does that mean to you oh dude it, it means everything like we call we call our community the IBT family and like I legitimately feel like they are a family like between from our staff to our audience the people who tune into our shows like consistently I mean like I can generally say like I consider those people family like it is it's crazy Casey and like it's surreal and like it still some days doesn't feel real and um I just want to do everything in my power to give them the best content I can and better better serve that family man because like those are the people who, whether this thing goes where I want it to or not, like I'll never forget those people who supported me. So it, it, it's surreal and um, I'm just thankful for it, man. Yeah. I mean, for sure. And if I feel the same way, like it, to, I was, I was in therapy before this talking to my therapist about how I kind of live on praise. Like that's my reward. Like I don't monetarily or whatever. If somebody tells me you did a great job and I appreciate you that like, does so much for me so i mean i totally get that and having people read your content is like mind-blowing i know I, I when i first put out content people were like wow i'm reading your stuff and you know awesome really people are reading my stuff how do you how do you promote your stuff and get your stuff out there for other people yeah you know it this is like this is where i wish i kind of learned a little bit more initially like initially it's those family and those friends from home and then you kind of grow out like twitter is the main outlet for sure um but now like we're at the point now where we figured out some seo tactics where 
we're getting a lot of clicks from Google. We're getting clicks on YouTube, um, kind of fleshing that stuff out a little bit where it's not just so social media driven. Um, because honestly, like it, like you probably know this too, Casey, three to four to five years ago on Twitter, people were a lot more willing to click on a link and go to an article. Like people don't really mm-hmm. click on, on articles as much as they right. used to even YouTube, like, you know, people are kind of just there on Twitter, not to really click on third party stuff. So, um, you know, that's part of it, but like, also like I try to do a good job of like to make sure that every day or at least, you know, close to it, I'm putting out some just general advice, whether that's lifestyle advice, whether that's fantasy football advice, um, NASCAR advice, whatever that is to like, just kind of keep, keep my stuff. So like, I don't want to have people have to always leave the social media platform they're using. Um, but Twitter, Facebook, we do a little Instagram, TikTok. We've kind of really been getting to YouTube, YouTube shorts. Like those are kind of where we mostly push out our content. Um, continuing to learn though, man. Cause it's like, it's ever changing. Like, as you know, like TikTok, YouTube shorts, those weren't a thing a year and a half, two years ago, really in this space, at least. Yeah. I'm still not doing them. Um, <laughs> I need to get with the program if I want to get this podcast out to more people, but you know, um, so when you are playing in your leagues, I know that you're probably in a lot. Do you know how many leagues you're in? This year I'm in 12 total. Okay. So, you know, yeah. some people are like, I'm in hundred and some people are like, I'm in no. three. Yeah. I <laughs> um, are you in any charity leagues? Yes. I'm uh Scott fishbowl and then pros with Joe's as well. Awesome. Yes. Had both of those gentlemen in charge of those. Um, leagues come on and, you know, it's really great to see that you're able to, you know, participate and bring in money for a good cause. And with pros with Joe's, you know, you're teamed up with somebody uh, with your Joe and you're the pro. Um, do you have a specific organization that you're playing for? Um, I'm playing for an organization that it, it helps support youth writers out of Chicago. Forgive me. I can't remember the name off the top of my head here. It's a number. I think it's like, like 1786 uh, or something like that. I, I kind of screw up the name sometimes, but you know, it's just trying to give, give back to those youth writers because I mean, you know how it is Casey, like there's not who, who grows up and like, honestly, especially in today's world, like wants to be a writer, it's like very right. few kids. And, you know, I feel like they're kind of just getting dissuaded from it. Like I remember when I said I wanted to go to college to study journalism, my mom, my dad, my brother, everybody, everybody from my grandparents down, like was totally against that decision. So like, I want more kids to feel accepted that way. So um, yeah, I'm very thankful for Eric. He's our guy from pros with Joe's thankful for him and thankful for Scott, man. Like it's so cool that to see what this industry can do and like, whether someone just had like a natural disaster hit their house or something else like this industry comes together, man. And it's, it's powerful. 100%. I will co-sign on that coming together and the, the camaraderie of the community as a whole is just awesome to see. And, uh, obviously meet, um, is there anybody that you wish you could meet that you haven't gotten to meet yet? Um, honestly, like sometime I would just love to like, tell TMR like, thank you. I've, I've been in like, he's been in a a mock draft with me, with me and me and my crew before. And like, we've kind of crossed paths in some DMS, but like never got to to chat one-on-one. And like, I would just think I'd want to honestly say thank you. Cause like dude's changed my life and he's changed so many other people's lives. And yeah, I don't know if he knows it, but like without him, IBT is not a thing. I don't know if I'm a thing. Like it's, you know, so just wanted to say thank you to him, I guess would be the, the biggest thing. And yes, that is awesome. And it's great that you, you know, you read his book and you were able, you know, to make something so awesome out of learning his story. 
um, and that's this whole podcast is about learning people's stories to kind of get people more involved in fantasy football, putting out content and, mm-hmm. and learning about each other. So for somebody that wants to get started in this industry, but they're not sure exactly where to start or what they need to do, what kind of advice do you have for somebody that's just starting out? I would say like the biggest thing is like one, don't be afraid to reach out to other people for advice. Like I, I think that's something I was a little bit afraid of it at first that I wish I would have been more open to in the last year or two. I, I'm not afraid to send a DM and just like just ask for 15 minutes, 30 minutes of their time and like just chat with them, have questions ready and like like really try to try to get some answers to what you want. Um, the other thing too is like I think have a niche. Like I think there's so many people out there who want to do dynasty fantasy football, want to do redraft fantasy football. Like one of the reasons this is one of my favorite podcasts in the industry is because it's different. You know, like, like I really feel like we are getting real here with Casey Kasem. And like, <laughs> I think having that little niche, whatever it is, I think that's really cool. And I like to see more of that. And I think that's, if you really want to be successful in it, whatever it is, have that niche, find that sub niche within fantasy football, which is already a niche in itself. <laughs> right. I know you that's gonna I was like, when I first started putting this podcast out, I was like, I don't know, do I want to keep it so, you know, so specific, but I think that that has helped me because, mm-hmm. you know, fine, like you said, so um, what else? What was maybe like a tool or, or a trick that you learned to kind of make things more productive and, you know, kind of streamline things? Man, that's a good one. That's a that's a really good one. I would say the biggest thing is like find yourself a team who like not everyone's going to be good at everything. But if you can have like like I have a, a couple editors who c- can take some editing off my play. I, I'll do always the final edit, but like they'll go through and do some of the initial edit, like find other people to work with, work within a team. I think that is the biggest thing when I was producing just the podcast by myself like one it's just not as fun i think when you're doing it alone and two mm-hmm. um you know you can just be way more efficient as a team um I, I think there's a lot of great tools out there to help you like trello trello is one of my favorite applications where we do basically have all our content planning for the week on there for the month for the year and like trello is one of my favorite things if people aren't using it and you're doing any type of content even if you're doing content for yourself having a schedule on trello super super cool probably my favorite application like one i don't think a lot of people take advantage of i haven't but i wrote it down so that i can um very important to have those those tools and (laughs) i need all the help i can get um when you're behind the microphone because you had talked about how you had already done some podcasting and everything prior to what you're doing now are you comfortable behind the microphone and how did you become comfortable behind the microphone yeah, I, w- I would hope I would. I, I am comfortable. You know, I, I think I think there's always those times when you have a big guest on or you're going on a new show that maybe you get a little anxious for. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I feel pretty comfortable of it. And I think it's just repetition, man. Like been doing this weekly now for a couple years. And before that, I was doing it in college a little bit. And, you know, looking back at those first shows I hosted, I mean, they're, they're terrible. But, you know, you continue to learn and grow from it. And hopefully... 300 more episodes of the IBT podcast later, I'll feel even more comfortable. But yeah, man, I, I just have a blast. And I think one of the best advice I got was from the FYF guys. And they told me, not that I wasn't at, the, at that time, but they're saying, just be yourself, like learn to be yourself behind the microphone. Don't try to like, 
I grew up wanting to be Matthew Barry or, or Colin Coward. So I always tried to be super professional when I realized like, Hey, I can be myself behind the microphone, actually be who I am. That's when everything kind of clicked, whether, you know, algorithm wise and just, I, I felt like we were actually building a genuine connection with people because they could see, Hey, I'm a 24 year old kid. I'm a dumbass sometimes, but I'm, I'm also like going to try to be as real as I can at the same time, you know? And you real, you're the perfect guest for this podcast because you're super real. I appreciate um, that. My brain just was like, that's kind of all right. <laughs> um, so having a team and podcasting, sometimes I know that I've podcasted on some podcasts where it's like people are talking over each other or people are arguing or people are, you know, this, that, and the other, or listen to podcasts. I don't go on podcasts where people do that. <laughs> um, anyway, so I've heard it, heard it. Um, when you guys are together podcasting, when you're podcasting with someone else, how do you make sure that it's cohesive and that everything is as smooth as it can possibly be while podcasting? Again, part of that's going to be repetition. <laughs> like, like we've, we've gotten good at the point where Nate knows when I'm setting him up. Scott knows when Nate's setting him up. Like, like it's kind of, you know, when to jump in. And like, I think the one thing is like, don't be afraid to kind of jump in. Don't, you don't want to talk over someone, but you kind of like the, the worst thing I think to do is when someone goes on a five minute monologue, every question, you know, and, and then it's just back and forth. What's your opinion? What's your opinion? What's like, I think, you know, kind of being able to like, Nate will say some dumb stuff on the podcast and I'll get fired up with him and I'll start yelling profanities at it. And like, <laughs> like I, I think that makes for good content though, you know, like, so I think it, it's a little bit of both, but I think it's learning who you're working with is the biggest thing. Exactly. And then when people are listening, they know that you guys still are tight. They know that you guys just yeah. like to push each other's buttons a little bit. So that's, that's always fun to see. And it's always great to see a group of people that are working together that work together so well and, and don't seem like they're putting on a front, seem like they're legit friends, seem like they're legit, you know, partners in, in this whole thing. Um, and so I guess where I'm going with that is when you're putting out content, when each person's putting out content and everything, are you over there facilitate like, guiding them and helping them out how, or do you guys do that with each other i know you talked about it a little bit but how do you go about like helping each other out and making sure that everything is peachy keen yeah so pretty much like like as as the editor-in-chief here as the founder of the company like i always have it as my responsibility to go through if the publish button is hit not hit on something i normally had the last last eyes over it and some some of that is just me being a little bit perfectionist but at the same time um, it is a process getting there and we work together very well. Like, like just for one of our weekly columns here, um, I have the editor, the writer and me in a group chat and the writer will consistently the day or two before he starts writing, Hey, this is kind of what I'm thinking. What do you guys think about this? And, you know, we'll kind of give him a little bit of feedback. Hey, you could connect this top part to this is how you could wrap it into the fantasy part. So there's a lot of discourse that goes back and forth. And I think that's where the best content comes from is giving feedback back, you know, I, I, at the, at the end of the day, like if someone like a couple of years ago, last year, like one of my writers, they said in an article, which I didn't really agree with, but they said, Hey, if AJ Brown keeps doing this, like you can drop him in your redraft league. And it kind of got controversial, kind of went over Twitter and people were like, Oh, IBT is telling you to drop AJ Brown. <laughs> and 
I didn't necessarily agree with it, but at the end of the day, like that was his opinion. He's a very respected writer in this industry. I had to give him, you know, that platform to do that. So, um, you know, it's give and take a little bit, but it's working with them and making sure their voice is heard. And, you know, I, I think it just has to be both ways. Like, does it fit our style? Does it fit? Like we're very strict about AP style and certain formatting things that we're always going to do, but letting people have a voice at the end of the day is something I've learned. You got to do to be successful as well. And you've helped so many people with putting out content, getting their careers out there, getting their name out there, especially with IBT, like having such a great staff. How does that make you feel at the end of the day, knowing that you're helping these people out as well? Honestly, that's probably my favorite thing about it. Honestly, Casey, like, if I can be the best John Stockton and just be great at pumping other people up, assisting other people, it is, it's my favorite thing. Like to see, to see the growth in some of these, some of these amazing people on my staff has been sensational. Like I, I honestly cannot tell you how much some of our core team has grown just like f- from being when, maybe when I first met with them being kind of a little more reserved, a little more shy person to singing and doing karaoke at the fantasy football expo six months to a year later like it's crazy and that is my favorite part about this man has been to watch nate and jen and and trash sandwiches and scott and and all the amazing dave and all the amazing people we have at in between media seeing them grow not even just in the space but just as a human being that's been my favorite part about it all casey got it i mean the positivity here it's great and i don't want to bring up any negative but if you can think of something, is there something that you'd consider maybe a failure or something that didn't work out at all the way that you wanted it to that you consider to be important to you because you learned a lot from it? Oh yeah, man. There's, there's, there's a lot. Yeah. We, I mean, we have a lot of like discontinued columns that we would maybe try to roll out. And um, like, I think the biggest thing at, at first is we were just like trying to do too much, you know, like, we were trying to do dynasty and DFS and like we, our first year of publication, we had a DFS column, a weekly one. I was decent at DFS. Nate was decent at DFS, but we weren't DFS experts. I didn't know much about SEO at that point. So like we would do this DFS columns and we would get no reads at all, like one or two a week. And, you know, it was one of those, like you learn from it, like trying to not do too much, a little bit of it. But I mean, there've been more, different things we've tried to do like expansions and, and almost like sister companies in a way that we've thought about doing and kind of pulled back. And um, it, it's trial and error. Like, I think that's the biggest thing too. like find your flagship content that does work and stay true to that. That's what we've always tried to do, whether that's in between fantasy football podcasts or starts and Seth, like that's always going to be there, but all the other stuff, it is a lot of trial and error. And like, sometimes you get awesome shit out of it. And sometimes you get just like stinky shit. That's not good. People aren't going to, aren't going to watch it and you don't even want to watch it. So it's like, it is just trial and error. I think is the best way I can put it. Yeah. Most of what goes on in the fantasy football space is trial, trial and error, including mm-hmm. setting a lineup. I mean, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no joke. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about fantasy and, and just like your love for fantasy football. Do you, but before, do you play any other fantasy sports? I know you've brought up NASCAR as, you know, giving mm-hmm. advice for that as well. Um, what else do you do? Yeah, so I do fantasy NASCAR, a lot of gambling on NASCAR as well, a lot of NFL gambling content as well. Um, fantasy basketball, I'm kind of venturing back into that a little bit as well. Um, not so great with that, um, but I'll play a little DFS in basketball, I'll play a little DFS in golf. We have golf content, so 
I try to make myself as knowledgeable as I can. A lot of times it's just telling my guys, Connor and Bo from the IVT show, you know, but uh, yeah. th- those are probably the big ones. It- it's really football, NASCAR, a little golf and a little, little NBA for me. And were any of those things that you were like, nah, before you got into it and then you were like, yeah, or did you, were you interested in learning about all of them? You know, I loved, I loved PGA when I was younger. I was a pretty avid golfer around ages 15 to 16, 17, when I could go for pretty cheaply around high school. Um, but then I got into college and kind of just like got away from it. Didn't know as many of the players at this point. Um, so it wasn't really until 2020 when we kind of started doing a little golf content, started getting back into it. And I, I mean, I enjoy it, man. It's, it's a lot of fun, a lot more fun than I thought it was going to be. Um, again, I, I just try to learn as much as I can try to be a little bit of a sponge because that's the biggest thing with a lot of these sports, man. It's like be a sponge because there is a strict learning curve, especially when you're playing some of the, the DFS and getting into gambling as well. For sure. For sure. Do you have any specific league that, you know, a type like, do you like dynasty? Obviously everybody likes dynasty, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Now, do you like dynasty? Uh, Is there like a specific, you know, kind of league that you like? I know we brought up wrinkles, but is there like a specific, like, what are your Mm -hmm. gold standards when it comes to fantasy league? I love the, my, my ideal league is a PPR some type of PPR 12 team redraft league, like, like one or two flexes. I don't care how you shake it out. One QB, like kind of your traditional league. I have this, this league that really pushed me honestly into this because I, I would listen to Sony podcasts and read articles and stuff because I wanted to beat these guys. It's called the keg league. Kane's extraordinary gentleman. Our town's called Kane. Um, loser buys a keg every year. So those it's a kind of a variation of my league and my brother's league when we were kids and we kind of brought them together when we got back when we got into college and like i love these guys i hate them at the same time like, <laughs> it is, like it's one of those leagues that can legit like affect my mental state like when i lost Brees hall in this league earlier this year i was a wreck i got my Brees hall jersey in in the mail the next week so i was double wreck <sighs> and i've been a wreck ever since can't get it back on the tracks but like i love that league so much like I would do anything to win that league. Like I, I, it is crazy. And like, I love the Scott fishbowl too. Like, I think that one's very intricate. I love the scoring in it. Um, have been very fortunate to have pretty good teams throughout my runs there. And just, just really enjoyed everything about that league. And just like the, the, the whole aspect of everyone drafting and being able to like pull ADP data. Like I nerd out over it. Like yeah. I will sit in front of my phone or in it. Like I'll have two monitors going the Scott fishbowl day. Like I love that shit, man. So a competitive redraft league is my favorite or like a competitive keeper league is definitely my, like those are my two, man. And I don't think people talk about keeper leagues enough. Cause no, you know, that was so one of the first fun. things that I did. Like I did redraft. And then like the next year I was like, got in a keeper league too. Cause it was kind of like my stepping stone into dynasty. Um, so thank you for bringing that up. Uh, <laughs> keeper leagues man so so slept on and i have to shout out your uh your, your former company the fantasy footballers they have a very competitive keeper league i'm not sure if it's their league of record but they do it very interesting how they did and i i modeled a, a keeper league after that and it is one of my favorite leagues today just because how intricate it is and every decision matters years down the road so like you can have a blast with keeper leagues, man. People got to give more of a shot to that. I absolutely agree, Casey. Yeah, man. I kind of wish I was still in that, that keeper league, but it was like a random Yahoo league. Okay. People that I didn't know. Yeah. Um, out of the 12, you said how many 
13, 12, how many 12, leagues? Yeah, 12, yeah, 12. 12, okay. Um, out of those, are, are any of those leagues with people you completely don't know, or are they all with people that you've at least interacted with? Um, yeah, I would say for the most part, like most people, like either half of them are kind of like, like friends and family. And then probably about half of them are industry folks. Like, of course, like pros with Joe's, you don't know some of the people you kind of get put in with. Didn't know my, my, my co-manager on that one, but yeah, don't really play any, any, any randoms anymore. Um, I don't think I have the heart for that because then then you just get, see someone's team on the waiver wire and you just get pissed, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Um, when you play in a home league or a league with friends versus playing with people in the industry Mm -hmm. like how do you have to change your brain when you're playing in those different kinds of leagues people are going to get more ballsy man like like my my home league is definitely one of the most competitive i i think redraft leagues out there like we're we were on the board of like we've been people are talking about jamichael hasty this week i mean we've been rostering jamichael hasty since he's been one percent managed or you know rostered in espn so like we are these those dgens who are picking up the guys weeks in advance um so but like you also have to go into this draft like people are gonna get a little wild like i was super hot on jerry judy this year and thank god someone reached for him like in the late third round and i was like but like that's what it like you have to get ballsy and you have to kind of go away from adp a little bit is the one big thing i've learned about in those home leagues and like i mean dude like i have a family i have a family redraft league where it's single quarterback and and first two rounds someone went josh josh uh, allen patrick mahomes and they're winning it yeah like it's like you got to get ballsy sometimes so i think that's the biggest thing is like disregard abp adp a little bit and like expect the unexpected stay in between uh during those uh family and and home league drafts boom stay in between exactly plug um i love that um but when it comes to drafting because the draft is one of my favorite things is to, oh yeah you know do you do um like big groups where you get together and do live drafts or have you experienced any of that? Yeah. We, uh, for the last couple of years for the keg, we've gotten together and we used to like all when we, when we were in college, maybe we'd get together in the same house and everyone would go to like a different corner. Cause like, we didn't want to be like, <laughs> like I would go up to the attic and, and just sit there with a beer and my snacks and some other, some other goodies and um, make sure I was in my zone, you know, kind of by myself. But yeah, now we get together for the keg every year and it, it is a blast. It, it's funny. Cause like we obviously have a keg going for the year before the loot. So like people might be a little intoxicated, but it is, it is so fun, man. Like the, the live drafts are a little nerve wracking and you don't really know what's going to happen, but it's pretty awesome too. When you get, when you get that pick, you know, and how much shit talking goes on during a draft like that. It is, it is tremendous. So much <laughs> to talk like shit talk for shit that happened it from 2016 is still brought up. Like I made a trade this year that still wasn't that bad of a trade, but cost me a couple games and it's going to be talked about for years. I, I don't even want to go to the draft next year. Cause I know it's going to be shit talked on it. And like, but I will <laughs> say like nothing adequates to the amount of shit talk that happens during the season in this league, man. I mean, we have almost had like friendships broken. Like during college, I didn't talk to my, my college roommate for, it had to be about three weeks during the semester. Cause we were just pissed at each other over like a trade. And like, it, you know, we always try to bring it back. And like, we always say, Oh, we love you guys. And like, I'm sorry we got pissed off, but like it gets heated, man. As, as you know, like when you love mm-hmm. this game, sometimes yeah. it can take an ugly turn. Oh yeah, it does. It does. Um, but you know, the good turns, the happy times, if you, let's say you were to win, let's say you were to win the Scott fishbowl. How mm-hmm. do you think, 
that whole experience would be. I know I've never won it. You, I mean, mm-hmm. it just, you know, Stompy, I know him, but that's about, you know. So uh, if you were to win the Scott Fishbowl, how do you think that would make you feel? I mean, it'd be pretty dope. I'd be pretty excited. Like, don't <laughs> get me wrong. I'd definitely take a little night of, of celebratory victories. And, there you know, but I, I think at the end of the day, like, the most important thing for me in fantasy football is like, did I learn something? Like, did mm-hmm. I learn something, whether that's something I can apply to life or whether that's something I apply to next season? Um, those are the things I love, man. Like every season I can have a takeaway and like this season, 2022, man, no shortage of it. Cause I'll be honest, like this has been one of the tougher seasons for me. Like, like, like not just like record wise, but just like bad beats and like crazy injuries and like i thought covid seasons were the worst but i navigated them pretty well compared to 2022 casey i yeah i feel the this i don't even want to talk about 2022 right now there's a reason i'm not putting out fantasy content because i can't even win a game uh, yeah you were you were bringing up trading earlier um we're not going to talk about the trade that may or may not be bad but um trading is a you know, one of my favorite things to do. So when you're trading, how do you go into a trade and what do you try to think about when you're looking at your opponents? So uh, full disclosure, like some of my league mates think I'm bad at trading because like, because I, I generally go like, I don't try to, I'm not one of those guys who goes in with an absurd offer, but I, I do like be a little modest in my first offer, but like, honestly, the best thing I, I try to do while trading is like I take the advice from what TMR said in a column a couple of years ago is like I approached the manager hello do you want to make a trade with me are you interested how, how are you trying to improve your team who do you value more x or y like I try to ask those questions and get a gauge because that's when I feel like the best conversations are had or whether it's me and my buddies you know over a beer at a bar or over a phone call like those are like I like kind of negotiating in person or texting someone over like just sending blind offers. I barely rarely had like good blind offers go through. Sometimes it is. And like, sometimes I do get them, but like the biggest thing I think is like, just look at their team and look at your team and like what helps both of them. Like you mm-hmm. can't just be ripping people off, you know? No, for sure. I, I find it fun to go in there and try to figure out how I can help them and they can help yeah. me and all that. And most of the time it doesn't work out because they don't want to trade with me anyway, but you know. Uh, mm-hmm. So when you when you are making a trade, if you've never done that before, it can be kind of scary when you first go into it because you don't want to mess up and all this stuff. But then you're like, whatever. Um, when you Can you think back to when you were first trading and were you confused? Were you, you know, thinking that you were winning everything? How, how was trading when you first started? I mean, trading is one of those things like I used to always like I, I think I went when I was early in this, I would always like I think it was like 2016, like very competitive league. And that was when like Thomas Rawls was very hot. I think he was like a third or fourth round pick. And I had drafted LeGarrette Blunt maybe in like the 10th or 11th round. And after about three weeks, Blunt was doing awesome. Thomas Rawls wasn't doing very well. So I made that trade and it came back to bite me. And like, I think like the thing about all fantasy football is like, you're going to be the the best people are right. 60% of the time, you got to be willing to get ballsy. Like I was like seeing like this year, I was seeing like, I kept seeing videos and kept writing content about like for other clients about like a certain player. I was like, okay, this is a sign to trade for this player. The player was Jamal Williams and it was about three or four weeks ago. And it's absolutely paid off in a lot of big ways when I was able to get him. It's like, 
I kind of like try to like see some of those like little tea leaves going on, like try to read the vibe, but like you're gonna get it wrong sometimes, man. Like I've I've lost leagues by trading, probably lost more leagues by trading than than won leagues by trading for sure. Like you gotta be careful, man. Like, but at the end of the day, like you also can't be the person like I can't even look at a certain player's name the rest of the season because like I'm so sh- like smited I traded him so low because <laughs> he's been a beast lately, you know. So yeah. it, it's so tough, man. It really is. And when you feel like you've lost, like you never know what's going to happen. Somebody could get hurt. Somebody could retire. Somebody, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. So it could work out. I never go back and actually look to see if a trade from four years ago has worked out in my favor. But, um, you know, it's just how fantasy football is in general. You just never know. I mean, you can be as right as you can on something and like the injury bug just hits, you know, like it's. The injury, I have a bad, bad history of like just, you know, kind of like losing a lot of leagues at the end because injury happens and it's just part of it. You know, you just kind of roll, you know, learn to roll with the punches a little bit. You brought up earlier about watching like college football. Do you still watch college football now that you're an adult? Yeah, yeah. So I actually like kind of went through again, kind of a period. Like I went to a smaller school. It was like a D two school, very good at, at D two football, like one of the championship for most years. Um, but at the end of the day, like I didn't really watch a lot of football, college football at that point. It was kind of pretty much pros for me. Um, I moved to state college, Pennsylvania a couple of years ago where Penn state is. And I actually learned or uh, live right, right down the street from Beaver stadium. So that's kind of brought the college football love back to me. C- kind of, I've always been a Penn state fan, but kind of brought Penn state near and dear to my heart, being able to have such a close connection to the team and just being able to walk down to the stadium and tailgates on Saturdays. So, yeah. Do you play in any Debbie leagues by any chance? I do not. That is, that is my next step of D gen though, because I've, I would greatly like to get into it. I, now that I follow college football so much, I want to do that. I also want to do campus to can. That's the other thing. I I think I almost want to do that a little bit more, kind of have the separate championship there. I'm very intrigued by what they have going on over there as well. And it's just crazy to think about how many, like you just listed more types of leagues, you know? So um, how how do you see the future of fantasy football changing in, you know, in the next five years or so? It's going to, man, there's a lot of questions like we have to ask ourselves, honestly, like the one is like the whole running back situation. What is like now people are talking about maybe standardizing more one running back league. And like, I don't think I would ever really consider that. But I mean, it is crazy when you think about like, like you get really, you have to get like the biggest part of fantasy football is running backs. And you kind of have to somewhat get lucky, especially this year. Like most of the early running backs kind of busted or got injured, like, it's it's really tough. So I think we have to, you know, put put ourselves in that seat as far as the game is concerned. Um, I think there's gonna to continue to be more people who are continuing to like elevate and evolve the sport. Um, I, I did a story a couple weeks ago on some guys who they actually have an app now where you can integrate your fantasy football league into their app and you can bet on your league matchups. Oh. So like for me, I thought like, oh man, like my league would love that. So I think there's gonna be more innovative stuff that continues to roll out like that um stuff that you can integrate in your leagues i'm really excited about that and like i just think the content's going to continue to like shift into a more positive and fun way like there are some people out in this industry man that like they are making fantasy football fun again i think like you can tell that you know those are the people who survive in this industry and 
you kind of mentioned it earlier, Casey, too, like during the pandemic, we had this huge influx of creators and brands. And unfortunately, a lot of those brand and or creators podcasts, they're not around just two years later, they've shrunken back a lot about, you know, scale back. And part of that's just, you know, we were in a pandemic, we didn't know how long that was going to last. People don't really know what this takes to get into it. But I think it's the people who found how to make their content fun and enjoyable, not just for their readers and their listeners, but also for themselves to keep doing it and wanting to do it. Those are the people I think who are continuing to do it and having the most success and fun along the way. For sure. For sure. You have you ever thought about writing a book? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I have. I mean, I, that, have. I, I was trying to make that question less yeah. of but yeah. but you know. Yeah, I, I think honestly, like that's the only way. Like, if you read my columns a little bit, I mean, there's almost a hundred of them at this point. Like, you can kind of put the pieces together of some of like the traumatic experiences I've gone through in life and how that shaped me and what I've grown from that. But one day, like whether that's me compiling my columns into a book or whether that's me writing a book, I would love to. I actually, I was very fortunate. I had a, a, a psychology professor in uh, or psychology teacher in high school who he had us write our life story till 10th grade. And because that's where we were in that point. So I had it all written out then. And then in freshman year of college, I had another uh, had another professor who wanted us to write something like a memoir. And I pretty much just picked up my life story from 10th grade till then. So I have it written about up until the age of 19 or so. So like I have a lot of the good details in there. And I would love to do one do one honestly um i think it's the only way people are going to believe me with uh some of the crazy shit i've been through casey <laughs> <laughs> well i mean you know <laughs> i'd i read it i'd read it i would buy it i would read it so i'm just saying I appreciate that um so yeah but going going through those experiences in life and everything has there been something that has shaped you at, as a person to be who you are today that really sticks out as something that's really brought you to who you are oh Man, it's, I'll just kind of give you the minor details of it, but it was like a 2014 house fire. That was like the big thing. That was kind of like the first big thing I had to move away from my friend's junior year of high school. And that was really tough moved to like a, a neighboring school. And then kind of everything unfolded about five years later, I found out what really was the cause of that fire. And it led to huge court hearings and custody battles and everything that I'm going through is I'm trying to also navigate my college career. And that was probably the biggest thing, man, but I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't have it any other way. Like that first, I will never forget that day, November 14th, 2014 snowy day watching my house go up in flames. And like, I just remember like almost like reading, like I was reading Matthew Barry that day. I had to be and like, I remember in that moment, like literally writing a memoir in my head, like about like that, that day and how that was going to shape me for the rest of my life. And that wasn't even the biggest day of my life. That was a crazy thing. There were bigger and bigger and crazier days that happened. And having those experiences, writing about those experiences, living those, talking about them on the podcast, that is what's made me who I am. That's what's made our company who we are. So I wouldn't take it any other way. And, you know, I'm thankful for him looking back, like, I had a story to tell. I have a story to tell now. And I'm, I'm just thankful for that. Cause I, you know, while there may have been an easier ride than mine, mm -hmm. I don't think it would have you know brought me to where I am today, which, you know, I'm thankful for that. And how therapeutic is it to be able to write stuff down and get it out? Oh, Casey, I, 
I don't know if I, I I wouldn't be me without writing it. Like honest to God, like it is my number one piece of therapy is writing. And, you know, I, I used to do some therapy back in the day in college when I was going through some of these things. And um, eventually my therapist said, you know, I, I think we're kind of good to end sessions now. And I was confused. He said, well, you know, I've, I've read your columns and you're super introspective and like you have a good sense of, of what's going on and what you can control and what you can. And, um, man, my writing's everything to me. Like I seriously, like I love podcasting. I love everything else about this industry, but those columns are, are my life. And, you know, I, I love them dearly for, for just really what, what they've helped me, you know, turn into as a human being and someone that I'm happy to look at in the mirror every day now. And the best part of you putting out content like it, that is you can tell that you're having fun with it. And I mean, you just talking about it, you can tell that you're having fun with it, but at you know, some people feel like writing, you know, and that's just how it is. It's like has to be a certain way. And I don't know a lot of the bigger, you know, it has to be a certain way. So it's, it's really a breath of fresh air to, to be able to read your stories. And you were talking about your girlfriend as well. Um, how did you meet her and how, how did um, you two, I know you said she was also mm. um, with the, the, what was it called? The pen? Yeah. Yeah. The okay. pen. Yep. So yeah, it was actually the, I think my second day on campus, I actually met Katie and um, we were just at our department meeting. She was a journalism student. I was a journalism student. You know, I'm never afraid to go talk to people. And I saw a cute girl. So I went and talked to her and um, she eventually asked for my number at the end of the day, which was really cool. And um, we didn't start dating till a couple months later. But um, yeah, super thankful for, again, like without everything that happened to me, I don't want to pursue journalism. I don't meet Katie. So yeah. it's, you know, it's all that butterfly effect, which is super crazy to think about now. And Katie um, plays a part in IBT as well, correct? Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's an editor for us. Um, she manages our Trello board for us. She does a lot of behind the scenes and like, man, is she just accepting? Cause like, this is a lifestyle where, I'm up late a lot of nights, man. Like I don't go to bed till three, four or 5 a.m. Some nights just because I am like I get in the zone of writing or doing something else and I go and, you know, she's accepting of that. And like we don't have a lot of free time, like a lot of our free time is spent watching football, you know, watching other sports that, that we're, we're in on. So um, just having that and having the acceptance and having someone to support me and um, and help with this company and. You know, when we go to events, she's right there with us, whether we're producing a a NASCAR live stream event in a car barn in Intercourse, Pennsylvania, or whether we're going to the Fantasy Football Expo networking with people. Katie's along for the ride, and I, I couldn't be more thankful for that. Yeah, I bet that's really awesome to be able to, like, share this experience and everything. So that's cool, and and that she is so supportive of you. Um because yeah, they don't sign up for it. They don't know what they're getting no, into. And then no. it's like, hi, I'm staying up until 4 a.m. I hope you don't mind. Oh, great. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, how much sleep do you get on an <sighs> average night? So, you know, I think everyone, like, whatever you want to do in life, like, is going to come with some sacrifices. And like, unfortunately, sleep is something <laughs> I do sacrifice. Um, there are spurts during the season where, I run about four or five hours a night. That's like, I would say given, um, weekends. I try to catch up. Like when there's not a Penn state game, I, I try to catch up a little bit. Penn state game. Sometimes I'll go to bed on two on Friday, wake up at six 30 and start boozing Saturday. So <laughs> I'm not great with sleep. I'll be honest. Like I should be a little healthier with that. But like when I, when it comes like this last weekend, 
like Saturday, just slept in, you know? So, Dang. but yeah, I'm, I'm one of those people though, who luckily can function on about four to six hours, which, uh, you know, thankful for that. So can you function enough to, to watch football and really get into it? I know, I know you're talking about talking yeah. about watching football, but like, how is it with you? If there was a, a fly on the wall in there, what would they be seeing? Man, it, it, it depends on the day. Like if I'm like super, like early in the season, I'm very active. Like at this point, I've kind of been a little bit heartbroken, whether that's like <laughs> one leg off a of parlay losing something like that. But when it comes to like stuff, I love, whether that's my fantasy football teams, like now with the Steelers, I've kind of just like been in this place where I, and I'm sure you're, you're a Cowboys fan, right? Yes. So like, you've probably kind of just yeah. learned to accept failure. Like I kind of have, I hate to say that, but like, I don't get that bummed out about the Steelers anymore. Like we had such great teams for so long in the 2015, 2016 didn't capitalize on it. So like, I don't let it bum me out as much anymore. I take Penn state losses pretty hard, but like when Penn state's driving and it's a big game, Ohio state, Michigan, I'm on my feet screaming. Um, (laughs) When my favorite NASCAR driver, Ross Chastain is close to winning. Like that's when I'm on my feet. Honestly, the most is, is honestly for him. I think I root for him a little bit more than some of my football teams anymore, but yeah, it, it's a little bit, it varies. It varies on what type of weekend I had. So, uh, you know, whether I'm up and moving or whether I'm just kind of slumped. Hey, you know, it's it's okay. You're young too. So you, you still got plenty of time to catch up on your sleep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, do you do you have any hobbies that you like to do in, the free, in your free time? Man, you know, fantasy football and content creation, NASCAR, like those are, and lifestyle advice, man, like, those are my like biggest hobbies. Um, we definitely have our other hobbies too, a little bit. Like I do, we like to disc golf. We like to do some outdoor stuff. I like to work on our, our vehicles and stuff like that. Like those are probably the biggest ones. Just going for walks, um, music. I love music, man. Like honest to God, like following our couple artists that, that we have, like, as you know, like that's a huge passion for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but honestly, sometimes I wish I had a little more time for like for some hobbies um, I'd love to start playing like some video games again and stuff. I haven't really picked up a controller in about three or four years and I'm kind of itching to, but uh, unfortunately, you know, don't really have the time too much sometimes. If you could wake up tomorrow and m- magically be good at like something that you've Ooh. never done or you've, you're not good at, what would you choose? <laughs> Is there anything you could think oh. of? I know putting you on the spot. Oh man. Something that I've always wanted to be really good at just cause I kind of play it a lot and I'm terrible at it. I would love to be good at basketball. Like I liked like something about like shooting hoops, just like e- even like I've shot so many hoops just in my driveways over the years. Like it's kind of another therapeutic thing, you know, put some headphones on, don't have any music at all. And just like hear the ball bouncing and shooting by myself. Like I've always loved that. And I'm not like, I think I'm pretty decent at basketball. And I, you know, go around my friends. I was a wrestler in high school. So like, my friends were the basketball players. So when we get together, I just get school. I'm like, man, I would love to be like, you guys are dunking and shit. Like I would love to be able to do that. So yeah, I think basketball would be fun to be good at. That'd be super cool. And then we could, you know, you can make it to the NBA and we could be putting you in our lineups for our fantasy <laughs> teams. So well, I'm good on that. I'm good on that. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> um, is there, besides writing and, and, you know, going into the sports industry, is there anything else that you would like to have maybe in an alternate universe or in a different life do um, professionally? Man, that you great questions, Casey. I just got to say, man, you have <laughs> great interviewing. Um, 
Honestly, no, I don't think so, no. man. Like I am happy with my, my life path. And like, I honestly look around and I don't know if there's one thing I'd rather be doing in life. Like, I know that sounds crazy and there's a world of opportunities out there. Um, but no, dude, I, I couldn't ask for it anything different. You're like, I got the best. I don't need anything else. I, yeah, man. When you love what you do, man, like waking up every day and doing it. Like when I, I was working in a full-time job about a year ago and, you know, doing communications professionally and like freaking hated it, man. Yeah. You know, and, like now being able to work with so many awesome clients like I do and have my team behind me at IBT, like I wouldn't change it for the world, Casey. That's awesome. And I can just tell, I know you guys can't see this because it's only audio, but you're <laughs> smiling, you're happy, you're good. So I, I love to see that. I love to see the passion, um, especially when it comes to like you guys that are really into writing, because I don't feel like, I mean, I know we've touched on it, but like writing is kind of the backbone of, you know, the content, but then everybody starts branching out and doing other stuff besides writing and the writing kind of gets put on the back burner. There's been sites that stop writing and, you know, only audio or only, you know, visual. Mm -hmm. um, so the importance of having, you know, a site that has so many awesome articles, I, I can't say enough about how important that is to be able to like actually read something. Thank so, you. Thank no, you. I, thank you. I, I greatly appreciate that. And like writing is one of the most, like one of the least validating things there is to do out there. Like I mean, I've made TikToks, I've made, you know, YouTube shorts that I've put half an hour into and they get more likes than maybe all my call or more views than all my columns do in a year. But like some of these columns, especially at IBT, where we're putting lifestyle advice into like I'm spending, you know, eight, 12 hours on some of them and some of them do better than others. And like, I just like, I don't know, man, it's all right. It's all right, though. Like. I think as long as you're continuing to grow and like, that's okay if other people in this this space want to get away from writing. Cause like we see our readership numbers, we see them continuing to go in an upward fashion. We see our readership time. And I think as you build that out and you see that, like it's all right, you know, and, and I'm just thankful. And like, we'll always be writers. You know, I, I think that's the one thing at the end of the day that makes us who we are as writers. So I appreciate that. The kind words, man. And like, at the end of the day, if I can be known as one thing above all, I hope it's a good person. And the second thing is, you know, a good writer. So thank you. You're very welcome. Well, we're going to wrap it up. And it's been a pleasure, Seth, to have you on here. Like, I'm so glad I got to actually sit down and have this chat with you because I've met you, but never mm -hmm. actually really gotten to know you. So this has been such a, a blast talking to you. Can you go ahead and let all the listeners know where they can find you? And, and again, where all your content can be found. Yeah. So uh, I'm on Twitter at between underscore Seth FF. The company on Twitter is at IBT underscore media. And we're at IBT underscore media everywhere you can think of YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, um, and then the website in between media.com. We have so much good stuff coming out, guys. Like I generally am excited every single week to see what my team brings to the table between our lifestyle and our fantasy and, uh, and betting knowledge. I'm, I'm just thankful for this, man. Um, so between the columns, the articles, the YouTube shows, the, the podcasts, and got some merch out there too, Casey, which I'm, I, I know oh, yeah, you're getting ready once. to rock it. Yeah, yeah. I can't wait. I can't wait. Yeah. So, man, I'm, yeah, just uh, that's where you can find us. Um, but guys, make sure you're subscribed to Casey as well. I got to plug her because this is, if you're just one of those first time listeners, if you're listening, maybe because because you were a fan of mine or you kind of stumbled onto it from an algorithm and you're not a long time listener 
get real with Casey Kasem as much as you can, man. Because like this is the stuff I die for. Probably one of my favorite podcasts I've ever done, Casey. So I'm greatly appreciative for this opportunity with you. Why are you doing this to me? This is your <laughs> show, not mine. Um, but I am so thankful to have you on. And I appreciate everything that, that you've done for the community and that you've you know done for me because your content is just great. So for me, I'm going to tell everybody out there to make sure to come back next week. Like Seth said, you need to listen. Come back and remember to stay red. <laughs>